0: Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee and I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. I want us to talk about something today that everybody struggles with at some point in their life. A lot of people struggle with it on a pretty consistent basis, even if they don't appear to struggle with it on a consistent basis. And some have finally matured to the point that they truly rest in all that they are in Christ. We have an identity in Christ that is completely new. And we really should be completely confident in that. You know, there's a lot, maybe not so much today, But you go back even just one generation. Now, if you want to go back two or three generations, it's even more significant, much more significant. I don't know why we've lost it, but we have. But used to be somebody's last name represented who they are. Sometimes unjustly, sometimes very justly when somebody says your rep your reputation precedes you it's typically it's typically how they identify us they don't really know us but something about our name association face association has gone before us and set up a perception, an identity of who we are. And so, interestingly, there's a scripture, even you could call it a story, I guess, biblically, where Jesus is talking and... He asks his disciples, who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? What about you? Who do you say that I am? And the Lord brought this scripture to my mind the other day. And it's in Luke chapter 9. If you want to just go there real quick. Because it's an identity issue. Verse... Let's start at verse 18. One time when Jesus was praying in a quiet place with his disciples nearby, he came over to them and asked, Who do people think that I am? My goodness, that right there. Don't we ask that question even ourselves? Who do people think that I am? Is that my importance? What you think I am? In one sense, yes, because I want to be a living epistle of Jesus Christ. But in another sense, I can't care who you think I am. As long as I know who I am in him. And that's my whole point today. Because that's what I felt like the Lord was asking. He was bringing to my remembrance this scripture. And Jesus is asking, "Who do people think I am?" And verse 19 is "Disciples answer him." And they say, some are convinced you're the prophet John who has returned. So people don't really know. So that's one thing. When we get so caught up in who others think we are, who others say we are, and they don't really know. So why are we putting so much weight on other people's words, other people's labels, of who they say we are when they don't really know. They don't know. They're going on presumption or hearsay. Some people haven't even had any interaction with us whatsoever. And they're critiquing us. Most times based on what someone else has said about us. And I promise you this one. If somebody's talking to you about me, they probably talk to me about you. So keep that in mind when you're listening to others' words. I'll say that one more time. That's not my point of today, but I want to say that one more time. If somebody is talking to you about me, they have probably talked to me about you. So keep it in mind. Who do people think I am, Jesus is asking. And his disciples start saying, well, some think you're the prophet John. Others think you're Elijah. I'm paraphrasing here. Others think you're one of the Jewish prophets that's been brought back from the dead. All of these are just as crazy or illogical or impossible as the fact that he truly was the son of God. But for some reason, in people's minds, this was easier to believe. It's easier for me to believe that you might be the prophet John returned. It's easier for me to believe that you are Elijah. It's easier for me to believe that you are one of the Jewish prophets brought back from the dead than it is to believe that you were born from a virgin of God, his son sent to the earth to restore fellowship on my behalf Take my sins upon your back so I could be completely forgiven. That's tougher to believe. They don't really want to believe he's the son of God walking around manifest in the form of man. But he is. Just as much as he could have been John the Baptist walking around returned. Just as much as he could have been Elijah. Just as much as he could have been any of the Jewish prophets brought back from the dead. So let's get to the truth of matters when it comes to other people. Let's find out who they really are before we profess a determination of who we think they are. Let's get to the root of the identity of who they really are. And so then Jesus asks them the question, But who do you believe? Well, he changes his wording here. Who do you believe that I am? Wow. Let's not miss that point. <laughs> First, he asks them, who do people think I am? Some translations say, who do people say? Who do men say that I am? So he goes from men saying and thinking to who do you believe I am? There's a shift there. What do you, in other words, he wants to know, well, what are you believing? Are you believing the words the judgments, the perception, the prejudice of man? Or are you believing all you've seen in me? Are you believing what I have professed? And I love Peter's answer. You are the anointed one, God's Messiah. Pretty powerful. Hits the nail on the head. Because Peter, in this moment, had direct Revelation from God, from the Holy Spirit of who Jesus was. So, if we want to really know who we are, what our identity is, then where should we seek that revelation? We should seek it from the Holy Spirit, from God himself. Certainly not from man Why are we looking for all of our affirmation and justification and confidence building and security from man and what man sees in us who can't even look upon our heart? Who does God say you are? So as I was spending time with the Lord and he brought this scripture verse to my remembrance, In the specific portion of it where he says, who do you believe that I am? Then I heard him say, I want you to ask the people listening, what do you say about you? What does Linda say about Linda? Because that's what matters. Who does Linda believe she is? Because that really matters. Who does Linda believe that Linda is? Because that really matters. It almost matters more than what God says about us. Because if we don't believe what God says about us, then what he says about us, has done for us, holds no power in our lives. What we believe is where the power is held. What we believe is where the power is held. That's really good. So who do you say you are? What do you say about you? I challenge you, just in this one, one week, watch what you actually say about you. And maybe not even what you say out loud, maybe what you even just say in your own thoughts. Because that's where your real confidence lies. That's where your real trust lies. Who am I? Who am I? And this is something else that I feel is really important also. And I feel like the the Lord highlighted this to me the other day. You know, if you've ever had surgery, or if you've even, maybe you didn't have surgery, maybe you wiped out on your bike as a kid, and you got a good scratch up your leg, or up your arm, or across the side of your face, wherever, but you have a scar. Now, in the beginning, it looked really bad. It looked really bad. And you thought, oh my goodness, I'm never going to be able to see upon beyond this scar. It's going to be terrible. Just like when we experience a hurt in our lives. In that moment that we're going through it, it is really terrible. It does hurt really bad. It's raw. It's exposed. We can feel it pulsating in that moment. The depth of it. But the truth of the matter is, as time goes by physically, our bodies are amazing. And those scars begin to heal. Can you still see them? Yes, but certainly not as bad. One year later, not as bad. Two years later, even not as bad. Three years later, you can tell it's there. But you might have to look a little closer. Depending on the severity, you might even have to really look. Or you might even forget about it until one day it catches your eye. And then you're like, oh yeah, can hardly even see that scar anymore. And of course, it's the same way in the spiritual. If God has come in and he has sent the Son of God, who do you say that I am, To die on the cross, to raise again, to sit at the right hand of the Father once again, to restore all things, to bring healing. He's the great physician. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captives, to turn our mourning into dancing. Right? So, yes, the scar has a purpose. It healed something that was once broken. Or something that was once diseased. And so, yeah, some surgery needed to take place. But then it took place and it was done. Let's use cancer as an example. When somebody has cancer in their body, and then they go in, the surgeon, and they remove the cancer. And then they sew up that place of incision where the cancer once was. The scar is pretty exposed at first, but then over time it begins to fade. And so and the cancer's gone. And so you sure don't want to be looking at that scar. Now you know the cancer's gone, and you, and you don't do this. You don't look at that scar and say, gee, I bet that cancer's still in there. I'm going to walk and function and think like I still have cancer in that spot. where well, we know the surgeon removed it. We don't look at our physical scars from surgery or from some kind of mishap that maybe didn't even require surgery, maybe just stitches or you didn't even get a stitch, but there's a scar there. But you're healed now. It's been 10 years, say. You're healed in that area. Do you have a scar? Do you look and see, oh yeah, I remember the day, you know, um, what do they call Battle wounds. But the wound is not still there. And so we have to come into that place in the Lord and stop looking at our emotions, especially emotional, stop looking at our emotional scars, thinking we're not healed, going over it over and over again in our mind, acting like it's still there when God's like, what are you talking about? I have already healed you. You have been made whole. How do you see you? If you see yourself still diseased, if you see yourself still handicapped in whatever area, by handicapped I mean limited, and you don't recognize that the blood of the lamb has made you healed and whole in that area, and you keep going back to it over and over again, it's almost ridiculous. God's removed it. The scar is there for a testimony of praise, not to relive it over and over again. Praise God, I was once wounded there, but I've been made whole in him by his blood. Just like praise God, I once had cancer, but the surgeon came and removed it, and now I no longer do. Do I have a scar there that says, look? I had this, but God, the surgeon came in and removed it, it's no longer there. Instead of resurrecting these things that God has already healed us from time and time again, again, and we keep reaching back and grabbing for it, like we never experienced any healing. The truth is, this scar is for a testimony of praise. Who do I say that I am? Who do I say that I am? Can we just give ourselves a big old gift of just being ourselves, who God created us to be? Instead of judging and nitpicking and contradicting and analyzing and um, critiquing, Everything about somebody else that we find different, well, praise God, they are just how God created them to be. Let's give others the gift of being themselves and let's gift ourselves that one big, huge package of a present. Let's wake up each day and say, you know, me wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, Linda, I'm just going to let you be you. I'm just going to let you be you today. I'm just going to let you put down all the guards. I'm just going to let you be you. Have fun and enjoy your day in the Lord. I'm not talking about just going out and doing whatever you want to gratify your flesh. That's not what I'm talking about. Of course, being obedient in the spirit. You know, I'm not competing against anybody in the body of Christ. I'm just going to be me and what God has called me to do and anointed me to do. We have to understand how God sees us, first of all. First and foremost, we are his beloved. He loves us. No matter what, he loves us. We are his child. Jump over to um, Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. We've all been restored at that moment of salvation. It just takes us sometimes, uh, we are worthy. If we weren't worthy, Christ would not have died on the cross for us. If God did not look down and say, I love you so much, I want you to understand who you are. I want you to be restored in me. You're my child. I want you to carry my name. I want you to walk with integrity and character and dignity Dignity and understand you're powerful, you're mighty in me. I want you to know all that. If we weren't worthy of that, then he never would have sent his son To pay the price to have that. And that's what Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. Starting at verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. The father of our Lord Jesus. All because he sees us wrapped up into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. And because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. That's how God sees us through the blood of Christ in an unstained innocence, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, the moment we became saved, the moment we accepted Jesus as the Son of God, that he died for our sins on the cross, that he rose again on the third day, the moment we and asked for forgiveness for our sins and professed him as our Lord and Savior, in that moment we became his delightful children. We got to see ourselves that way. We got to stop seeing ourselves as the stepchild. We got to stop seeing ourselves as the outsider in the Lord. His tremendous love cascade that would cascade over us would glorify His grace. For the same love He has for His beloved one, Jesus, He has for us. Now wrap your mind around that one. The same love He has for His beloved one. Who do you say you are? Who do you say you are? Are you his beloved one? Who do you say you are? Because who you say you are is who you are. (laughs) Hopefully you followed that one. Who do you say you are? Because who you say you are is who you are. I can pump it into you all day long. I can be an edifier and an encourager all day long. But who you believe you are is who you are. I promise you that. And if you're not sure who you think you are, watch your words about yourself and you'll find out, or even just your thoughts. Maybe it doesn't make it out of your mouth. And let's grow up into the reality of who we really are. And that's a co with Christ, worthy of the love of God, worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, worthy to have fellowship with the Lord, worthy to sit at the banqueting table. So in Ephesians 1 now at verse 7, since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood the total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of His grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, already there. It's already, it can't be put there. This is an interesting fact. And this just came to my mind. A little different to share, but shalom. Going to share it anyways. When a girl is born... She is already carrying all the eggs that she will ever produce in her life, in that little body. And so, some of y'all might think I'm crazy, but I actually laid my hand on my granddaughter the other day. I was watching my grandkids for a week and I laid my hand on her tummy because she's already carrying my great-grandchildren. In her tummy and I laid my hands on her stomach and I prayed for the seed that is already within her this is the same thing see nobody can now, now I know science and there's in vitro and all that you know it's a little different I'm not talking about that I'm talking about in the natural order of things she's not going to produce more eggs than she already has it's already in there That's pretty powerful. That's what this is saying. This super abundant grace is already powerfully working in us. It's already in there, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Releasing within us. And through the revelation of the Anointed One, He unveiled His secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of His long range plan which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and through earth and, and the earth through Jesus Christ. And so it comes back to through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. We carried our identity. Before we were even born, that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God's purpose was that we Jews, this is Paul talking, who were the first too long for the messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you who are not Jews, us, the Gentiles, heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation, now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance, which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom. All for the supreme glory and honor of God. That's who we are. And so, I think next time we'll talk about the difference between that and knowing that or understanding that and actually believing it and one of the obstacles in between. But for right now, we are co-heirs with Christ. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen. We have been adopted. We have been forgiven. We have been given grace. We have supernatural wisdom, revelation, and power within us. We are unconditionally loved. We are unconditionally accepted. We are pure and holy by the blood of Jesus, blameless and made whole and forgiven and we have a hope in Christ, this is our identity. This is who we are. So I just want to ask you one more time, who do you say that you are?